Good morning. It's Iowimala here in Illinois. And whoop, already having uh, reconnection problems popping up. Uh, I'm here on March the 2nd, Tuesday morning. I wanted to show any of you who've missed my squirrel mug. So from the Lachmans, uh, it's, they sent this to me, I think, uh, closer to my birthday, but it's been, it's, it's just been a joy. Sometimes I sit it next to my statue, my squirrel statue. And I was reminded this morning that spring is coming because the squirrels are everywhere chasing each other up and down the tree. And, uh, I have, uh, two big bags of sunflower seeds in the trunk of my car that I need to, to get out today because I've completed uh, the last that I had at home, and now I'm realizing in my tiny little front space, I'm going to have to do some uh, sunflower seed removal, some kind of project with the with the husk. So, if anybody has ideas of what to do with the husk of black sunflowers, I'm trying to think of any holes that are out there that I could fill up with these. So this morning. And I have my uh, mug because I keep getting kind of a laryngitis thing, so I'm trying to make sure I don't start coughing. So I wanted to sit with you, but I also wanted to read a little bit from Dhamma Everywhere. And this is by Ashin Tejaniya, or Sayado. Sayadaw Utejaniya, and he's a Burmese monk, but in I think it's in Berkeley. It's in the San Fran in the Bay Area. There is a foundation that has all of his books, and it is well. If you check, if you go under Tejaniya, it's T E J A N I Y A. You can find his uh, website, and the books are offered there for, for donation only. And they're beautiful books. These are really books that you it's easy to dip into them anytime you want something to get your day going or to refresh you or just have so you can open to any page and find something that can inspire you or be a great teacher or remind you of something. So, I found something I really wanted to read, but any anything I <laughs> anything I look at, and he's talking about why we practice. So, I'll stick with this. This is what I earmarked when I sat down with the book, and then we'll sit together. There are so many opportunities, well, this is the end of generosity, that's for another day. We practice to bring out awareness and to strengthen wholesome qualities in the mind. And this is practicing in our sitting meditation practice. But he's, he, it, it's very expansive for him, so that practice includes a lot of our day. 
We become aware of objects when the mental faculties are balanced and sharp enough to be aware of them. We don't see something just because we want to see it. We only see as much as we are capable of seeing. Wow. We could sit with that. That could be a, a whew, that could be a whole lifetime, right? Intentionally putting strength into our practice doesn't necessarily strengthen awareness. We'll only lose that energy. Only when there is wisdom combined with awareness will the mind grow in strength. When we meditate with the right attitude and right view, our mind and spiritual faculties will improve, fueling a wholesome desire and desire in Pali is chanda. To practice, uh, fueling a wholesome desire to continue practicing. Alternatively, practicing with defilement-motivated attitudes will weaken the mind and body. We will also get bored with the practice, eventually losing the wholesome desire to keep on meditating. So if practicing with defilement-motivated attitudes is uh, weakens the mind and body, that's why we need to know what those defilements are, the ones that we're experiencing or that we contain. Why is it that the Dhamma, and this is Big D, he distinguishes between Big D Dhamma, which are the teachings of the Buddha and the teachings that we, we see in this uh, natural world, so, and the, and little dhamma, little d dhamma, those are any, any phenomena, any, anything that we see out, uh, any object in this world that, that is our creation. So th- those are teachers as well, but that's the little d dhamma actually means, uh, phenomena or objects. Why is it that the Dhamma, Big D D Dhamma, and the practice don't follow yogis? And yogis are just people who are uh, uh, meditation practitioners. Don't follow yogis out to their daily lives. Why don't yogis sustain the desire to meditate continuously and consistency? Is it because many yogis, yogis come to rest instead of coming to learn to be skillful in growing understanding? Uh, this is what grabbed me about this passage. I'm uh, the viewpoint of his meditation center, uh, and so these are people who are coming for probably five day or ten day or longer retreats, and uh, he sees what we see all over here, even for a weekend retreat. Uh, it is because. Many yogis come to rest instead of coming to learn to be skillful in growing understanding. So people go to retreats to rest from a busy life, and sometimes the uh, the dhamma that they're that they're working with for the retreat is secondary or tertiary to uh, just resting, and it's because of our of our the the life the speed at which we live our lives or rush around in our lives. A yogi whose practice is aimed at developing calm, 
may stop practicing wholeheartedly when she reaches that state. On the other hand, a yogi who practices to understand the truth will not rest until she has understood thoroughly. If yogis, become, if yogis became skillful in developing understanding, then they could use this practice anywhere. In fact, when the mind is in a calm, steady state, it is in a position to do dhamma investigation. That's with a little d. It's ready to practice with intelligence and ready to study and learn about what is happening. If we don't realize that this is the way to proceed at this point, the greedy mind will just step in and enjoy this calm state, which is exactly what many yogis do. Why are we meditating? Do we meditate to calm the mind down? Or do we practice to understand things as they are? Tranquility is not an end goal, but a side effect in mindfulness meditation. When we understand Dhamma nature very deeply, tranquility comes as an inherent part of this wisdom. That's very important. If you have, if you've developed a calmness through your meditation practice, that's wonderful. But that's not the end of it. Keep going, keep going. We're going, we're going deeper than that. That calmness allows us to go deeper. But enjoy the calmness. Yogis tend to close their eyes when they want to meditate. Many yogis who have been practicing for some time may not be adept yet in meditating while looking, seeing, and talking, as they haven't had much practice in these areas. Keeping your eyes closed or open is not what is important. What is key is whether the mind is wholesome or unwholesome. Is looking the same as seeing? Can you see without looking? Ask some questions while meditating. This interest, inquiry, and curiosity can determine how narrow or expansive the field <clears throat> of awareness can be. If you limit yourself only to our discussion questions, this will only take you so far. In my early days of practice, I had heard people talk about the nature of impermanence. I asked myself, is there anything that might be permanent? I experimented and looked around. I still haven't found it, although it might be out there. So that's how we investigate, right? And that's how we make these uh, the teachings of the Buddha become real. We have to we have to experience it. When you just wait and watch, there is more awareness of objects and awareness of the mind knowing these objects as well. You'll know for sure when there is awareness, and you'll also know for sure when awareness isn't there. First, awareness leads. Awareness and wisdom will rise together. Later on, wisdom leads. It's not so easy for this to happen. We need to gather a lot of information when we are doing the practice of awareness plus wisdom. And he's phrased that, uh, he, he writes awareness 
plus wisdom. And that's something that, uh, that he's, that he uses a lot in his, his writing. So that's why the book is entitled Awareness Alone Isn't Enough. That wisdom, we can be very aware, and if we have no wisdom, um, we get a different result, right? Why do we have to practice? We practice because defilements are very strong. Just observe your mind. With anything that happens, is greed or aversion already present? Or is there awareness wisdom? How does the mind feel when there are unwholesome mental states? What does it it experience? Do you feel dissatisfied or frustrated by the experience? Or can you accept what is happening as it is? Continuing to practice with wrong attitude will only fuel more aversion, and you may eventually become discouraged with the situation. When there is right attitude with wisdom, it is possible for the mind to accept things as they are. But do note that while wisdom accepts whatever is happening as objects, wisdom does not accept unwholesome qualities in the observing mind. And when a yogi who is always watching the mind will notice each time that unwholesome mental state arises. Okay, I think we we can stop and work with that. So we are we need to know what the what uh, defilements of the mind means. We need to know what the ones in our mind are, and we need to become aware of them because, just like he says, when we're meditating, we begin to see those and we can recognize them. So if there's greed. Uh, or put, wanting to pull things to us, wanting to make things be permanent. Uh, if there's aversion, like I don't want this to be true, so I don't, I'm not going to see it as true, or I don't want to deal with this right now. I'll think about it later. Or if there's just, I just hate that. I hate that person. I hate. Uh, I. For so many years, my mom would, everything would be, oh, I just hate that. I just hate that color, or I just hate everything. And, and, uh, I was used to it when I was younger, and I'm sure a lot of that's, uh, been some, been become defilement for me. But, uh, as I, as I got more and more into my practice, I would, I learned not to react to it, but I could feel it every time she would say, oh, I just hate, Da, da, da. It just was a phrase for her. I would feel a little bit like somebody punched me. It would just be a physical reaction to such a strong statement of aversion. And um, we, we begin to notice things like that. We begin to notice that when we, when we experience that defilement within our, within our own mind or we, we see sort of an, uh, an outward manifestation of it in someone else's behavior. It it is uh, it is like so. Becoming more sensitive to that is good. I don't think we have to take other people on and try to teach them about all their defilements. But uh, 
we can certainly be aware of it as we become more aware in the world. So why don't we sit and uh, I'll just do a tiny bit of guiding. So mostly we'll just be sitting quietly for the time we have left. Okay. So let your body tell you it's time to sit. Be get into the posture that that is comfortable for you and you're at ease or you can begin to be be at ease and your body will know from that attentive even if you're on the floor your body will feel the attentiveness and your uh, your awareness wanting to have this experience and so just let your attention be on your on the body breathing And close your eyes or keep them open. In our practice, or in, in my practice, I uh, keep my eyes closed usually. But that's not the only way we can do it. We certainly do walking meditation. And I advise against keeping your eyes closed doing that. So what you do want to do is avert your gaze or keep your gaze kind of down at an angle towards the floor or the space in front of you, maybe at least six feet from you and down, downward. And that helps cut out a lot of the, um, lot of things that can distract you. But we're learning all the time to be able to, uh, you know, you, you learn to raise your gaze because you're not, you learn not to let a lot of things uh, distract you from your practice. And what we see is a big one in our everyday lives. Observe the body breathing. Let it be your natural breath. If you do feel rushed or uh, unsettled, maybe you've rushed to, to uh, get into the right spot where you can feel at ease and your body is still kind of rushing, you can also begin with a few deep breaths in and out. Just two or three and let that help you ah, just inhale and exhale just more deeply than your natural breath. And then see if that doesn't help, help you come to the present moment. Just let your body keep relaxing.
but keep your mind attentive, awake. Sometimes teachers will say, keep it alert, but I think that might be, uh, that might be signaling to us that maybe there's a big tiger behind us. So just let your body be attentive. There's no tiger. Notice if your feet are on the floor. If your hands are resting comfortably and in a relaxed position in your lap, either palms up or palms down. Be aware of all of your senses, not all at once, but if your eyes are open, be aware of the light and be aware of a gentle focus, a light uh, focus. Sometimes if you like to meditate with your eyes open, you can have an object at the right distance in the spot, maybe a candle, maybe a little uh, a stone on a little table, something. It can be a statue of Buddha or Christ or a, a rock you like or a crystal. But just let that help you find that focal point. And then your eyes can be open, but your attention is is more uh, resting on that object. We can also be aware of sound. aware of any fragrances or smells or fresh the smell of fresh air if you if you're outside if you if you like to burn incense there may be you may have a fragrance that you really are comfortable with Maybe that helps you focus. Maybe it just camouflages other smells. Be aware of the taste in your mouth. Or if your mouth is dry.
and be aware of your entire body. You're making contact with the clothes you're wearing, with the seat you're sitting on. Our entire body, all of our skin is uh, aware. Our skin is always aware of different, different things brushing against it. Making contact, some pleasurable, some unpleasurable, and some neutral. The same with all of our senses. And they're funneled through that sense door into the sense consciousness. And then in our body we can feel pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. You may have questions about your practice if they're rising up. See if that's a question you can answer by observing, by listening. See what rises up for you as you're looking, as you're being in the center of everything. Can you can you see any defilement rising up? It might be a lens of negativity. Maybe you see things, you have a, a way, way that you almost always see things when you have that first contact. Is there any aversion in your mind? Is there greed? Is there delusion?
and it's okay if there is. That's what we're that's what we're working with. That's what we're trying to become more and more aware of. It's not making a judgment about yourself. It just we're trying to see ourselves clearly. See what those filters are that we put between ourselves and the world. And between ourselves and ourself. Spend more time just sitting with yourself, seeing what arises. And today, may everything we do and say and think be done with that idea of wisdom, awareness. And may we do it for not only for ourselves, but for the benefit of all other living beings. So thank you so much. I'll see you Thursday. Thanks for being with me in my practice.